When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, this is Love Sport Radio with your West Ham fan show. Joining me tonight, the chaps from West Ham World, your James Jones, our pal. Evening. You seem a bit more perky now, you're picking up points. It's two weeks in a row now. Exactly. This is, we've never had this, this much positivity before. This isn't right. No. So I'm enjoying it. I'm so, enjoying something, it. Something has changed. Something really has changed. Well, David Blackmore, it's a, it's, a, it's a return to the studio for you, pal. Yeah, absolutely. And a on a positive as well. I'm so glad it's today yeah. on the positive than on the negative. It's good to have it's you, It's been pal. so negative. It, it is really, really good to have you. Thanks for joining us, chaps. Um, right, let's let's get straight into it. Uh, a good point. Was that a point gained or two points dropped? You have to see it as a point gained. Um, I know a lot of people will say with Yarmolenko's miss that it's probably two points dropped, but I think you, if, you know, we said last week if you go into this game and get a point, then it's a, you know even beginning of the season, regardless of what's happened before, you got to see that as a point, haven't you? Uh, a point gained. Do you know what I really like? Though Pellegrini came out at the end, and rather than just saying, "Yeah, what a brilliant point," said, "I'd have liked the win." Yeah, and that uh, change of philosophy, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, it was quite refreshing for for a manager to to not be pleased with a point against a team like Chelsea. Yeah, um, and I suppose that he's worked hard to really try and get it right, hasn't he? So I can see why he was disappointed not to have got all three points. Given that you know, on the face of it, he probably would have deserved it had we had we nicked it. Yeah, and I think that the thing that a lot of people said on Twitter was, "Oh, it's a you know drab nil nil." I thought it was a good nil nil. Really good, really good fun. I mean, I can't remember the last time I walked out of that stadium with a smile on my face. I know it's been a while. It's been a while, and and it was a really good watch. I, I really enjoyed it from from start to finish. It was uh, at times. It, I mean, Chelsea had a lot more of the ball, didn't they? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought I just really enjoyed the way that we we staffed with them a little bit, and then occasionally sort of caught them on the break. It was it was really good fun. I think when Kante has their best chances, you, you know you're going to get something out of That's the game. That's a weird one, isn't it? He's he seems to, he was just ghosting into the box, and you think, yeah. oh, and he saw him, oh. They're kind, of, pl- kind of playing him as like a number eight rather than <laughs> yeah. number six, and, you know, he's, he's di- diving headers that go and glancing wide on that, but, you know, I, I, you've got to take it as a point. It's a really, really good performance from us again, and it, it does feel as if it's beginning to click now, doesn't it? Yeah, slowly but surely, I think everyone... It's, it's interesting, Yomalenko didn't really obviously get much of a run at the start of the season, but mm. now he's... He's had two games now, you know, scored against Everton, should have scored against Chelsea. Yeah. He could be our Anatovic of this of this season compared to last season. You'd like to think so. I mean, I, I, I'd like him to, I'd like someone like Arnautovic to, to feed off a power like him because I think he'd, he's going to be more effective feeding the striker rather than, I mean, we all know we can cut in and, and curl one in like he did against Everton, almost did it also against Chelsea. Um, but... 
you're right, he's going to be an influential player. I think it, Pellegrini even said that it was going to take him a few a few weeks to really get up to speed with with things and that. But you know, if we can get if we can get him playing like that every week, then we've definitely got a bit of a bargain for what's it, seventeen and a half million or something like that. Yeah, and you you got to think now it is starting to click into place. The players seem to know a bit more about what they're doing. You, you, do you, do you agree that perhaps at the start of the season they didn't quite understand their roles, their positions, their responsibilities? I think so. I think. I mean, I said it right at the beginning of the season that there was so much change, wasn't there? You know, with with all those new players, well, with nine nine new signings, essentially, with a whole new starting eleven. Exactly, with the with the new manager coming in, with all of his new ideas and his new philosophy, and it must have just been a little bit too too much too soon to really to really sort of grasp quickly. And I know he had all pre season. Um, and we thought, okay, well, why hasn't it clicked yet? But you know, he has tweaked it recently over the last few weeks, and thank God, the players seem to be grasping mm. it. I mean, how good is it that he seems to have found that settled midfield three? A midfield three we talked about quite a lot last week, sort of the resurgence of Martin Noble, uh, Declan Rice, and Pedro Obiang. It's, it's it's brilliant to see. I mean, I don't think that when uh, all of our midfielders are fit, like Lanzini and, and Wilshere, mm. I don't think that will that will be the midfield three. But I think what's important is that is that he's got a midfield three that you know the way he sets that midfield three up works in the system that he wants to play. So I, I don't think it. I think we could probably do with a little bit more creativity there, and that's where Lanzini comes in, and perhaps even Wilshere. But you know, it's just nice to see the, the system that he's adopted with a midfield three. I think anyone will be able to fit in there as long as you've got a defensive-minded player like Declan Rice, who looks like he's slotted in there nicely, um, and maybe even Pedro Obiang or Mark Noble, and it's just a case of rotating the rest. Yeah, I think what I enjoyed the most about those three is in the last two games, they've covered each other. Mm. You know, when one's gone forward, one's slotted in, when one's out of position, or when the, one of the centre-backs has come out of position, Rice or Noble or Obiang has gone in, they've all got that defensive mentality of, of knowing they need to be back there to support. And yeah. It's interesting, Declan Rice, for me, is is the Mark Noble of the future, but but better quality, yeah. Mark Noble. You yeah, know, yeah, Mark yeah. Noble, Mark II. Um, I think Mark Noble's on limited time now. I think when we have everyone back fit and everyone firing on all cylinders, I think his game time is going to be limited, which w- would be a shame. I think he gives you that 10% because he's West Ham through and through and he'll run through brick wall for you. He wouldn't yeah. do that for Hull or for Wigan or for Bolton, but he would, he would do that for West Ham United. And I think Obiang as well, it's good to see him back mm-hmm. and performing well, mm-hmm. given that he was playing so well last year before he got his injury. So I think those three... For me, the last two games have been, you know, two standing back going, well, do you know what? These guys are doing really well. But I've been really surprised that up to the Everton game, that Pellegrini's not gone for a back three, you know, three centre-backs. Mm. You know, g- g- given that Masawaku, Fredericks, they're, they're going to be your wing at, your wing backs more than, than your left or right back. And then he's really stuck with that back four, hasn't I th- he? I think the reason why, though, is because where you've got Yarmolenko and Anderson... Um, we noticed against Everton they were allowed to just push forward a little bit more. Um, but if you've got if you're playing two wing backs and then those two as well, you know, d- does that leave too much space in behind potentially but, because you've got two you've got basically you've got four wingers there. But I don't I don't think you need I don't think you need Anderson and Yamalenko out so far wide. I think you need them a bit more narrow. I think you need them, you know, playing well, a bit closer to Anatovic and just feeding off him with the, Fredericks down one side and Masuaku down the other. Mm. Given that support, and then suddenly that becomes a front five, which I think could could have a devastating effect. Whereas with Anderson so far out wide and, and Altovich in the middle, even if Yarmolenko is is close by, it's it's still they're still too far apart. You know, get them. I think I like to see. I'd like to see him a bit more narrow, and it'd be interesting to see 
if Pellegrini sticks with that black, back four for the whole season, which I suspect he might, given that he's not changed to three centre-backs at all this season. Given that it's worked for the last two games mm. particularly, yeah. I can't I can't imagine he's going to sway too far from He it. seemed to find something a bit settled as well. And obviously, a first clean sheet of the season against a club, you know, sort of in the top four, top six teams. Maybe it's starting to actually gel together properly now. I mean, I think everyone expected Ryan Fredericks to have a starting berth on the right-hand mm-hmm. flank. Youth, exuberance, experience, well some you know football league experience he's played what 150 200 games in the football league but you know someone who can bomb up and down that right right side but you know we've got Pablo Zabaleta who, who's again in the twilight of his career but he seems to be pulling out performances left right and center yeah apart from that slight little mishap he had you gotta laugh at that, <laughs> you gotta laugh at that. I love I love Pablo Zabaleta I think he's been you know I, I was I wasn't too sure when we signed him I thought you know okay we signed him he's got the experience but now, is he going to put in the consistent performances? He's closing in on his 50th appearance for the club. Yeah. And it's ridiculous. I mean, how he's still going, I don't know. But he's been apt. I don't remember him having a bad game. No, and I think he covered every blade of of grass yeah. in, in the game against Chelsea. You know, he just runs and runs and runs. He's lost He's lost a lot of pace. You yeah, notice yeah. that a couple of times when he's come up against the likes of William or, or Hazard, and you, you notice he's lost it. But defensively, I think he's been superb. And he does offer that, you know, I think he just offers a bit of calmness on the pitch as well sometimes. Experience. It's an experience head. It's a Premier League winning head. Someone who's, who knows what they're doing. I mean, um, I think a lot, of, there was something about Man City, you know, fans or something like that who now come and watch West Ham they've sort of adopted West Ham as their second club because of Pablo Zabaleta just because of Pablo Zabaleta because they love him so much you know yeah. so a, a very much a respected character as well and uh, and someone who you'd imagine obviously hailing from South America the manager hailing from South America that he, he can be that sort of uh, that sounding board if you like to the manager someone who can go and deliver a message to the troops if needed um, and you'd imagine he'd be quite a uh, quite an influential star on that side Against big team, if you cannot win, at least don't lose it. So to have our first clean sheet is because we are working better in defending with more intensity. I hope that we can continue. We have another two games here at home. First, we must try to qualify for the next round of the Carabao Cup. So if you cannot win, because when you must for to win, you must score those clear options that we had, at least don't lose it. And, and that thing is what uh, I was telling you. I was very happy about that. Yeah, there he is West Ham United manager Manuel Pellegrini talking after his side's nil-nil draw with Chelsea at the London Stadium yesterday. Chaps, how big a miss was Mark Arnautovic down the middle? I think it was a huge miss. I think that there were there were times when we needed we needed someone up front to really make those intelligent runs for Anderson and Yarmolenko. And Antonio did did an okay job. You know, a couple of times he got in behind, but I think if, if you're going to get in behind and you're going to receive the ball, then you got you got to at least get a shot on target. And there was a couple of that one chance in the in the first half where he blazed it over from you know a really good position. And someone like Arnautovic would have would have you'd hope if not bury it at least at least hit the target. And I, th- I just think we missed someone who was just a little bit more clinical in front of goal. And and at the moment Arnautovic is the only one really that offers that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's our talisman, really. He's the man we're looking forward to. He's the one who's really sort of embraced um, everything about West Ham. He loves West Ham, which is it's great to see. For someone mm. who's come in, not been here that long, you know, he is 
you like Zabaleta's a captain on the pitch, Mark Noble's a leader on the pitch, and Altovic is another captain on the pitch. You've only got to see, and off the pitch, you've only got to see what happened after the Wolves game. You know, Mark Noble going in, saying a few home truths. I wouldn't like to have been the player at the end of Marko Altovic's analogy of, of what you should and shouldn't be doing mm. on a football pitch, because I imagine that he, he, you know, he says what he thinks and he doesn't hold back. He's a talisman, isn't he? Mm. He's a proper old-fashioned hero, someone that the crowds look up to. You know, you look at him over through the years. You've had Cantona, Suarez. Paolo de Canio is he the closest sort of talisman you've had since Paolo de Canio that one guy up top and it's always a striker as well it's never a midfielder it's always a striker so there's one team uh, there's one player in the team who can just lead you and who can just give you that extra bit is he the closest one since since Paolo I, would you not argue that Dimitri Payet although we shouldn't probably say his name but did you see his goal against Marseille as well, that, see, volley? Yeah. that was amazing yeah. great goal I mean he, he was probably that talisman that should have stayed but you know, it'd be interesting if we had signed him this season or, or last season and then invested the money that we did, whether he would still be a West Ham United player. But it, I would argue that, you know, from Di Canio, probably Dimitri Payet would have been the next talisman and then yeah. Altovic has yeah. now taken that thre- threshold on. Yeah, it's funny because the, uh, the first six months of Altovic at the club, no one really expected him to go on and become as important as he is now. And I mean, that, a lot of that's thanks to David Moyes and the way that he changed his role. And But it, he's hugely important to us now. I mean, I mean the fact that we're saying that had we had him on the pitch against Chelsea, we would have won the game. Says a lot about what what he offers us. Um, just just as just as the presence on the pitch, and he would have bullied the lot, especially when Tim Cale, um, Gary Cale came on. Mm. I think he would have really looked seen Gary Cale and thought, "Well, I'm going to bully this guy," because Rudiger had a good game. And then I think you know he would have seen that and gone, "Right, I'm going to I'm going to run run, run run rings around this guy," because I mean Cale's legs aren't, aren't what they used to be either. So. It would have been really good if Tim Cahill had come on for a Chelsea. I mean, yeah, I mean, that'd have been that'd have been nice. But stick Tim Cahill at the back, you might have had a better chance. But what I like about Nitevich is that he always seems to have space. He's one of those players that he gets the ball and you think he's in acres of space. What what has he done? And it's because his first touch is so good yeah. that it, it it enables him to have that space to get his head up to to pick the pass. And he chases down now. Not perhaps in his first six months, but he chases down absolutely everything. And mm. like against Everton, he ran like 40 yards to make sure that a ball had gone out of play. And that's just phenomenal. That's what you expect for your players, but you don't yeah. always get it. And especially for a player of Arnautovic's personality, you might say. How, how much do you credit David Moyes with Arnautovic's, uh, you know, sort of further development of West Ham United obviously he turned up at, uh, at West Ham as a, uh, a senior figure following his transfer from Stoke someone who's expected to lead the line uh, immediately it didn't quite happen for him yet but under David Moyes he just he, he turned into something else and it seems like Moyes got the best out of him and you've got to give credit to Moyes right he's he's the kind of guy that you you only address him you put your arm around him you go come oh come on and out of it he needs that he needs to make to feel that he's 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 the know, best he's the best you need to say you Go on, you go out there. You are the best out there. You go out and show us what you... You can't go in there and be like, Mark, and Artifitch this, and Artifitch that, and Artifitch that. You need to... Yeah, you do need to, you know, put your arm around him. Yeah, definitely. He's, he's a... He's a hothead. He still is. I mean, you know, if you speak to someone like Balotelli, you go, you think, I was bad at Inter Milan. You need to look at Artifitch. I mean, he was the bad boy at Inter Milan and those two. Yeah. Were. So, I mean, that does still worry me a little bit that, you know, any minute, you know, any minute now it could, it, it could just click and, you know, it could all go wrong. But have got to enjoy him, enjoy him as it is. And as you said, you know, he's, he, he's been given that leading role up front. 
he's been he's been made to feel important. He's been he's been made to feel loved, not just by uh, behind the scenes, but by the fans as well. The fans have taken to him, and you know that's what you know, that's what he's needed. And a lot of credit has to go to to David Moyes definitely. Were you guys somewhat baffled then when you saw Mikel Antonio, you know, sort of take Arnautovic's berth over Lucas Perez? Definitely. I was, I was confused when Antonio played against Liverpool, um, but you know, do you know what? I personally, I think Antonio knows more about West Ham. He knows more about the club. He knows more about the other players than Perez. And I, I personally, out of the two, I would have started with Antonio. I think he he's got the the, the potential to cause Chelsea more problems when it comes to a counter-attack than, than Perez. I think, and, and he did at times as well. He, I mean, they did struggle to, to keep track of him, but I don't know, I think in those situations where you know, you're know replacing a striker with, with someone else, I think you need to replace him with a, with a natural striker rather than a winger. I mean, I mean we essentially have three wingers up front. Mm. Um, we needed a, uh, an out-and-out striker. I mean, had Hernandez been fit and, and well, then he probably would have started instead of Antonio. But, you know, after everything that happened with Lucas Perez the week before, I would have liked to have given, been given a start. Nothing, going, nothing, on, nothing happened the week before. Well, like everything that happened, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I think um, I, I think I would have liked to have seen him there, but it wasn't. And you know, he came on. I mean, he didn't really do much, but it's very difficult to come on and make it make an impact, isn't it, as a sub- as a substitute? So I'd like to get, see him get. I mean, if Arnautovic isn't fit against United, then I'd, then I'd like to see him start definitely. Who leads the line when everyone's back fit? I, I do you know what I I don't think Hernandez gets gets even gets a look in now for me. I don't think he. I don't think he fits. It's strange, isn't it? Yeah. He arrived with so much fanfare, and and it looks like he's well, just going to. He, he scored, you know, I think it was sixty goals in his is is what was it five or six years at United. Um, you know, he was a goal scorer. Everyone knew him as a goal scorer. And this particular habit of scoring against Chelsea for Manchester United, but he just hasn't really found that form. He seems like a different player. Maybe he's been asked to adjust himself as a player and do more off the ball. Um, whereas at United, he was basically a glorified goal hanger. He, mm. He's maybe been asked to do a bit more. But I think he is a goal scorer, and he, you've only got to see the goals that he scored for West Ham. Mm. But he's barely had a touch all game, and then he scores one touch, up, yeah. and he just he just pops up and, and scores. No. I don't buy into this argument about having to adjust. You know, you're a professional footballer. You go to a club. You already know what you're buying yourself in for when you go to that club. He, he just uh, he just doesn't buy into it. He just doesn't seem to put in the yards that someone un- un- like an Altovich would do. And I don't. I just don't see, apart from perhaps having an impact sub role, I can't see what his future would be at West Ham. No, I can't. I don't disagree with that. I think it's sad the way it's worked out because there was a lot of hope for me. Everyone thought he was going to be, you know, the the saviour up front, the striker that we've longed for for so many years, and it hasn't really worked out for him. You're right. I think he he'd be probably best served as a as a bench option, but he's not going to settle for that, is he? No, he's definitely not going to settle for that. And you know, perhaps if he, if he does if he does if he can keep himself fit and, and Arnautovic continues to be sidelined then perhaps he'll get his chance to really show what he can do but I'm not too sure whether whether he's going to he's going to get in ahead of the likes of Antonio or, or Perez now which is which is quite weird to say but it's not going to happen When Andy Carroll comes back surely he he, he gets some form of action Well, like, I, said, first team. I said to my mate I said to my mate in the, in the pub after, after the game yesterday and I said Andy Carroll's the sort of player that we could have done with yesterday off the bench yeah, against Chelsea. But again, I don't think he's he's leading the line from the start, is he? Oh, definitely not. No. And I think the beauty of West Ham at the moment is, for years, we've had a really good starting eleven when everybody's been fit. 
now we've got a good squad and it's mm. been interesting to see the rotations that Pellegrini has done week in week out like you know Frederick, Frederick started um, at Man United no, sorry Liverpool and then was dropped the next week and it, it, psychologically you think oh right, have I done something wrong especially as a player who's used to playing week in week out but actually he's trying to rotate the players he's picking the best players to suit the roles um, for the opposition which I think it's exciting, especially with, with an, a squad rather than just a starting eleven. Yeah, I agree with that. Although, I think he's got to be a little bit careful that he doesn't disrupt too much every week. I was getting a little bit worried that, you know, up until, what, two games ago, he still hadn't fielded the same back four, in, you know, in two, in two back-to-back games. I mean, he's done that now with the with the Everton and, um, and, and Chelsea games. But I was getting a bit worried that all this chopping and changing, all this rotation would, would prevent... You know, a, a tactic really sort of, you know, gelling and um, a, a formation gelling and, and, and getting right. And, you know, I like the, the fact that we've got competition for places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I, I'm not too sure I would, I would have played Fredericks against against Chelsea, but he might he'd probably get a, a run out against Man United. Let's talk to Baz. He is on the phones. He's dialed 0208 70 25 Baz, good evening. Was that a point gained or two drop, pal? Good evening. Uh, that's a point game. Before the game, you take a point all day against them. Disappointing because we had some good chances, but in fairness to them, they had a lot of possession too. So we were really well organised, I thought. So, yeah, positive point. Buzz, what, what do you think of um, Antonio up front in Arnautovic's, uh place? I know obviously, we definitely missed Arnautovic, of course, but do, do you see Antonio being a, 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 like a permanent sort of backup to Arnautovic moving forward? No, personally, I don't. Um, I don't want to say this because it could be wrong. I think his time at the club's finished. He doesn't give enough anymore. Um, he doesn't seem that interested. And it's a horrible thing to say because the last season at the Bowen, he was fantastic. And, mm. and he was hammered a year the first year at the new stadium. But he's it, just been a different player since he got his new contract and his England call-up. His attitude towards the club hasn't been the same. <laughs> and it's a bad thing to say, but we we miss Andy Carroll when there's no one out of it. I said that. I said that yesterday. I definitely said. I, that. I do believe that. And even Hernandez, as good as he is, you know, he, that, the way we play doesn't suit him. I'm a massive fan of Hernandez, but he he doesn't work in that formation. Perez hasn't done enough for me. I see a, a poll on Twitter today stating after the last two performances, it's clear we need to buy in January. What what's the um, chosen position, left back, central midfield or central defensive midfield with the three options. For me, I think we have struggled a bit with left back. I still don't think Masaraku's a left back. Mm. Um, Cresswell's not been in the form we know. Central midfield, I think we've got enough and, and we've all been Yang and Rice in the CDM roles of the last two games. They've been fantastic. Now, I know injuries change that or can change that, but there was Sanchez on the bench, which was another option. Mark Noble's playing an advanced role who could slot in there. But we lose an Outovich, and we lose everything for goal-wise. Yeah, I agree. Um, I said earlier that we, we really lack someone to, to make those intelligent runs in behind for Yarmolenko and Anderson to, to feed off. Yeah, I, I can't knock it, and I, I don't disagree with a word you say there. I think it would be a little bit more exciting when you've got someone like Lanzini behind them. And no, nothing against Mark Noble, because I thought he was fantastic yesterday, and I think the standard ovation he got... Um, some his performance mm, up definitely. Um, but if you have someone like Lanzini in that role who is going to open defences up a little bit with creativity 
you, you'll get more chances. So maybe that would suit Antonio to a degree. But he had two chances yesterday, um, which I think Anatovic would have done better with. And I mm. think another good forward would have done better with. But I, I think that's Chelsea's problem. I, I don't think they've got someone in their side who can score goals for fun, like they've had in the past and like these other top sides have got. Buzz, uh, you mentioned about Hernandez being a big fan of it. How do you get the best out of Hernandez? What what system do you play? What kind of players do you play alongside him? I think with someone like him, you, you've got to have two up top, at least. Um, and who's, who's, like the, who's the other player? Is it, yeah, is it like an Andy Carroll, and, Emil Heskey Carroll, kind of player? Yeah, you, know, you, you know with Hernandez, you're not going to get someone who's going to run round everyone. But you know... If you've got a forward getting a shot off from the edge of the box, he's following it up. He don't score goals from 20, 30 yards. And his record speaks and shows that for itself. He'll score every loose thing around the box. He won't be afraid to shoot. He's not going to be a centre forward that the ball falls to him on a six-yard box and he tries twisting someone inside out. He'll get a shot off. And that's where his goals come from. He'll get off a flick, which is clever. I think he'd work with... Um, Anatovic as well because I think Anatovic's work rate will make him work with any other forward but the way the three at the front with Yarmolenko and Anderson with Anatovic in the middle I'd prefer that than seeing Hernandez starting but again I am a big fan of these and I'd, I'd beg the, our club to sign someone like him And who do you, who's, in your, who's in your starting 11 Baz? Who, who would you start every week? Based on what you've seen, what the full the full eleven or yeah, perhaps Fabianski aside, I think he's probably that 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 man there. I thought Jack Wiltshire would have been the sign of the of the summer for us, but Fabianski so far has been absolutely fantastic. Along with the two centre halves, Diop and Balbuena, I think they've come really solid. And mm. with Obiang and Rice in front, that five is a strong unit. Mm. And I've said it before: the way Pellegrini plays with your fullbacks getting forward a lot. Not having that protection in midfield just left us exposed. We've now always got minimum of five defending players. One of the other fullbacks who ain't gone the two centre halves and Pedro or Declan Rice. Pedro has gone forward at times, like with the Everton game when he got the assist for an out of his goal. And at that time, Mark Noble yeah. or whoever's in that role sat in, you know, so mm. there was always that protection. So starting for me, um, Balbuena Diop centre-backs yep full-backs I think it's tough because I think Maseraki should be in the side but if you're playing Zabaleta I think you've got to be more balanced than play Cresswell because they're both more defensive if you're going to have your full-backs attack I think it should be Fredericks and um, Maseraki but again Zabaleta has been outstanding in the last two games for us midfield Obiang and Rice holding the one in front at the moment is Mark Noble I think when Wilshere is fully fit and Lanzini is fully fit one of them two will take that role and maybe Noble will exchange among Rice and Obiang and then Yarmolenko Anderson and Anatovic mm. is the three up top I think that's our strongest side and that's our strongest formation with the players we've got I mean, we, we were saying earlier as well, I mean, I, I agree that's probably our strongest 11, but it, it's nice to have the, the strength in depth as well, isn't it? I mean, we've got the options yeah, at, at, at full-backs, you know, we've got, still got Andy Carroll to come back, Hernandez is an option still, Lanzini. Lucas Perez, Lenz, uh, yeah, Win- spoke about Winston Lanzini. Reed. Winston Reid. Well, does, does, does Winston Reid even get in? Well, he's, he's an option. He's, he's a backup, isn't he? For me, don't start. A fully fit Winston Reid with no niggles or coming back from injury would start, but... 
he's not trustworthy now, unfortunately. And it's the same with Ginger. You know, he was left for a reason, or let go for a reason. It's not because he ain't liked. It's just there's better there now. And to progress, you have to lose these sort of players. Same as Mark Noble. You know, he's loved at the club by many. But to move forward, he ain't a starting man every single week. No. Mm. If you need if you need a fast team against an uh, your opponents, he don't get in that. And, and I think he's like big enough and honest enough to say that himself. Yeah. And that's why I don't understand some of the critics he gets. No, I agree with that. I mean, you mentioned earlier about Fabianski. I mean, how good is it to to actually feel really safe with with a goalkeeper? Because I mean, we've had our we've had our problems with Adrian back, you know, over the years. We've had Randolph and Joe Hart, Joe Hart, and it's nice to just have a, a safe set of hands that you know you know you can trust in between the sticks. Yeah, there's no fear. I say no fear. When they get forward, you, you always think there's a chance of your keeper saving it. Mm. Someone like Joe Hart last year, his confidence was shot to pieces. And when a forward got through and it was one-on-one, you just put your head in your hands because you knew it was going in. Mm. But yeah. with Fabianski, you've still, you've still got that bit of hope your keeper's going to save you. And, and he has done. Listen, we, we've been beaten by Liverpool by four. We was beaten at Arsenal. We got beat at home by Bournemouth 2-1. But without him, them results could have been five or six at Anfield. Now, yeah. Bournemouth could have scored two first off. He pulled off some top, top saves. And he's been a solid signing. And for seven million quid, without the agent fee that was also paid, now, that's an absolute snap for a keeper in this Premier League, I think. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, Baz, thank you very much for joining us, pal. We're going to have to wrap it up there. Chaps, I want to bring up a quick point, which is um, a question mark that's been floating around on social media, a few of the papers carried today, which is, have West Ham finally found the rhythm and have they turned a corner under Manuel Pellegrini? Or is it too early to say? I think it's still too early. I think it's been good, but I'm not convinced completely that, that we've all they've all bought into the, the Pellegrini way. Yeah, I mean, there, there is an argument that it, it is too early. I mean, it is only two results, but it's two good performances in a row, back-to-back. Um, it's four four points that, you know, when the fixture list is announced, you look at it and go, we're, we're not winning at Goodison Park. Um, and Chelsea at home, normally, apart from the, what, the last, what, four, four or five home games we've played against them in all competitions, yeah. you go, OK, well, that's a write-off. So the fact that we've we've... It's it's clicked, or it's see, it appears to have clicked in two games that we wouldn't expect to get anything from in the first place. Suggests that perhaps you know it, it is beginning to beginning to work, and this is this is the sort of West Ham that we can come to expect under Pellegrini. I just I just want us to get past these eight games and get onto the games that are I would say against teams that we're you know we're far better matched or, or arguably better than, mm. and actually being able to take the games to sides and, and seeing actually what a team can do. Um, it's just the first eight games are always going to be tough and it was just a shame that you know Bournemouth and Wolves were arguably the games that we kind of put our hats on and getting points on and we just didn't perform on, on the day mm. you know you could argue the Bournemouth game came a bit too early and the Wolves game just, we just didn't quite fire on all cylinders but yeah I'm want to it'd be interesting to see how we do against United I don't think that they're you know amazing this season I think they're there for the taking especially at home um and after that, it's then, you know, with Spurs coming up at home, you know, it, arguably I probably would like to play Spurs sooner rather than later because, you know, they haven't been that great. Mm. And I think we could potentially get some good points there. You know, we, we ruined their title campaign at Upton Park our last season. Yeah. Ruined it at, at the, the new stadium on the first season back. So, you know, it's, it's happening again. It could well happen again in October. 
I, I fancy us to get a result against any. Uh, I mean, at the moment, I mean, given uh, particularly when they're big games like you know we saw against Chelsea, the, the fans create a decent atmosphere when mm-hmm. when these when these games take place at London Stadium. And I think when the likes of Man United come to town, when Tottenham comes to town, I think the crowd do make a make you know make a difference on the day. I mean, we're going to look a bit further into to and preview that game a bit more mm. at the weekend, the game against Manchester United. But with them on on some sort of, you know, United are in, in not a quagmire as such, but, you know, sort of lurching from week to week, aren't they, under Mourinho? It's a case of, you know, two good results, one bad, and the papers go back to uh, the sob stories and, and, and writing the obituaries for United. Do you reckon you can get a result now? You can build a bit of momentum. A win and a draw, obviously a clean sheet against Chelsea, something good. Um, I mean, I didn't catch, what was the atmosphere like yesterday? It's good. Yeah, it was, yeah good. Really good. it was good. But then it, it always is. And the, the players, you know, you look historically at West Ham, you know, you speak to any ex-players, Tony Gale probably adhered to this as well. Chelsea fans always come up to me and say, oh, West Ham always seem to up their level against against us. And it's same with United, same with Tottenham. There's so many games at home, particularly under the lights, that, you know, mm. a lot of opposition fans think that we're raising the game to it. And the players do, they do. They seem to puff their chest out a bit more and they really go for it. They, they go the extra sort of two or three yards to make that tackle. And, I, you know, we. but if we're going to get to that next level, which is the you know the, what Sullivan and Gold are talking about? We need to be able to replicate that with Brighton at home. You know, I've, I've said this for the last two weeks running. Um, we won't go into it in too much detail, but I do feel as if we need to create those big big game atmospheres for every home game if mm. we're gonna if we're gonna push forward. And for, some, for one reason or another, that doesn't happen at the moment. Probably because people were still getting used to the stadium and and everything else. But you know, if we can create an atmosphere like we did against Chelsea. You know, for for the next few games against Man United on Saturday. There you go. Um, even against Macclesfield on Wednesday night. You know, probably won't, but because we are half half empty stadium. But you know, you got to do it. You got. I mean, we saw the yesterday's performance. I think was was egged on by by the. I mean, by the. It's the, a two-way street, though, isn't it? It's a two-way it street. It is a two-way street. Um, the, the Bournemouth and Wolves games. Uh, the atmosphere wasn't great for both of those, and we didn't get a result. So. Let's talk now to West Ham United. And it'd be fair to say he is a legend, spending 10 years at the club, making 300 appearances. It is Tony Gale. Uh, good evening, Tony. Good evening, Aaron. 368, actually. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I got the league appearances. I got the league appearances. <laughs> I, I, I'm, th- the problem is, they didn't have them actually just mapped out, but it says in the league, 293 plus 7 as a sub. How accurate is that? Uh, yeah, that's pretty accurate. I can't remember the seven subs, but you never remember them, do you? Really? No. You know? There you go, there <laughs> you go. Um, just before the break, we were talking about Manuel Pellegrini, and you know, there's some, a few stories coming out, a bit of discussion on social media about how maybe West Ham have turned a corner now. Obviously, you know, big three points uh, last weekend against Everton, and now, you know, a nil-nil draw against Chelsea. What do you reckon? Well, encouraging signs, but I wouldn't say uh, they're out of the woods yet because uh, that's a dangerous thing to say because very small margins in the Premier League. Obviously, when you're playing teams like Chelsea, uh, when you get a draw, uh, a nil-nil draw, obviously you feel like you've had a, a little bit of a victory because the fans are not really thinking that you're going to get anything out of the game. Uh, the, the performance wasn't that bad, actually. I mean, we gave up most of the possession. I was at the game, probably had about 24. 27% of the possession, I think it was. The stats were tra- trolled out. But we had probably the, the three best chances of the game. Two to Antonio and the sitter to 
uh, the winger, oh, blimey, had a nightmare, didn't he? Oh. And uh, you thought, as that ball's coming across, that header's got to go in, Yarmolenko, and that didn't go in. And I was at the game the day before, Crystal Palace, Sacco missed a, a sitter very similar, but not out of the woods yet, boys, I must say. Not out of the woods, but encouraging signs. Don't get carried away. Tony, it's David. You mentioned about the sub-appearances there. Hi, what, what did you make of uh, Perez's situation? Was it just blown out of proportion? Could, you know, when you were playing, did you used to go out and warm in rotations like the players do today? Uh, you only warmed up when you were told to. I hated warming up, <laughs> if I was told, I've, got, I've got to say. But if you were told to warm up, then you did warm up. Don't worry about that. Um, but I, I felt that that was bang out of order when that was at Everton. And you could see him shaking his head. I think... Uh, Someone was someone went on before him, and that you know I think by just showing that sign, that means that you think you're better than the players that players that's gone on. So that's bang out of order for me. I was very surprised that he was brought back into the action so quickly and even brought on for that game because I'd have been tempted to show him a little bit of a lesson. You know, right? if you don't fancy being sub and you don't fancy warming up, then take a break from the bench as well. But obviously he's needed at the moment, you know. Uh, Tony, it's James here. Uh, what, Hi, James. What would you make of uh, Deccan Rice's performance over the last two games? I mean, he got hauled off against uh, Liverpool in the opening day in the same role, and then he seems to have t- t- sat out for the last few games and then come in and he's doing he's doing a fantastic job in that role now, isn't he? Yeah, I spoke to Deck this morning on the phone and said to him uh, how well he played, and I, I thought that maybe he could take a, a few more risks with his passing because he's even better than what we've seen at the moment. Mm. So he's been playing in that role. He's not actually a midfield player, which is a little bit frustrating for him. So, you know, I was pointing out that at a similar age when I was in the first team, I was actually put into a midfield position and it it actually helped me advance my play because you move your feet quicker. And then when you go back into the back four, it seems a little bit of a doddle where you've got a little bit more time on the ball and also you're seeing the play in front of you. But I've been really impressed with him. And boys, if if you met him, you wouldn't fail to be impressed because he's just a kid who hangs on every word and he wants to learn. He's an impressive young man. And um, at the moment, he hasn't signed a new contract. And I think West Ham are actually potty not to have given him that new contract and risk losing him maybe because he is the future for West Ham. He's a future captain without a doubt. Being a, a former defender yourself, Tone, I mean, what do you make of the new uh, combination, Balboin and Diop? Obviously, the chaps over here have been discussing the fullbacks. I don't think anyone expected Pablo Zabaleta to have a, a major starring role with Ryan Fredericks coming in, but Arthur Masuaku's keeping Aaron Cressel out of the team. But, I mean, the back four seems to seems to have sort of settled now. Yeah, I'm not sure about Balboin. Uh, I like Diop, but I'd prefer Declan to go back in there, probably. Uh, Manog Bonner's fit, I think. If you, I would say the best partnership would probably be Declan and Obama together. Right and left footer gives it a little bit of a balance. Zabaleta, for me, is a great pro. You've got to have him about the place. Uh, Ryan Fredericks is good going forward, but maybe got his limitations defending. Masawaka and Cresswell, there's not a lot to choose between them, but I probably think we're missing a trick uh, a little bit, and he doesn't really understand the players at the moment, that probably Masawaka in front of Cresswell is probably a good combination to play as well because he could play high up on that left-hand side and two left-footers with Ogbonna in the side making three would give us a, a really good balance. So 
looking at the fullback situation, not a lot to choose between them. But Balbuena, he's, I'm not sure. Uh, but then, of course, it's only been a few games. Uh, but Diop looks promising as well. So, quite happy with him at the moment. The keeper looks good as well, boys. You didn't mention the keeper, sorry. He, he's played really well, hasn't he, Fabianski? Yeah, they finally found sort of a, a settled number one. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Fabianski's been fantastic. I don't, I can't see how Adrian's going to get back into the side, um, apart from perhaps cup games. It's going to be the cup cup game period, isn't he? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he's been absolutely super. It's nice, Tony. It's nice to have uh, a safe set of hands between the sticks. Didn't th- don't you think? Oh, not many. I mean, I was lucky in my day. I had uh, Phil Parks and uh, Ludo McCloskey, who comes from near Moscow. As they say. <laughs> <laughs> talking of Phil, talking of Phil Parks, Tony. Um, you know, he last time I spoke to him, he, he always keeps talking about Declan Rice, saying he is the future. He is the next. You know, he's the Mark Noble Mark II, which I said a bit earlier on mm-hmm. today. Um, he says that he he thinks that he's the best player that we've had since Bobby Moore in terms of what he what he can do, how naturally gifted he is. Does he need to does he need to stay at West Ham to realise his potential, or or do you think that he, you know in a few years' time he he might have to look elsewhere, like Ala, Frank Lampard, Joe Cole? No, I think it's early days for him to be saying like, oh, okay, you know, just go and have a look elsewhere. I think. Uh, I, I mean, I know the kid, so I, I wouldn't like to go overboard on deck. I think he's a good young player in the making. And he does everything right about, about his game. I've seen him in the summer. In the summer months, he trains. He does one-on-ones and everything. He keeps himself nice and fit during the summer. He comes from a really good family as well. His dad's a, a really smashing fella. Played a little bit of non-league football himself. So he's got a little bit of a, a good upbringing and that's so important for kids that the parents behind them are so level-headed you know what I mean and they don't want the riches too quickly he's a kid who's prepared to wait and uh, wait his time but I think his time is now as far as his contract's concerned if West Ham are not careful they could risk losing this kid because you know there's a lot of players in that team who are far less talented than him who are on probably and this is no exaggeration probably 10 times as much money mm. and that that sometimes is a little bit hard to bear because if you go back years then you would think all the guys that come through the academy sometimes they were a little bit harshly treated when we signed new players and they were thinking well we get this good but we come up through the academy mm. well then why can't we be treated like those other players they've got to look after these kids we've we've lost one i saw another one at the weekend he's crystal palace's star defender at the moment james yeah. Tompkins. yeah and i think you know, if James was playing with Declan and we got Mark in midfield, then all of a sudden we got a little bit of a core to our team and a little bit of a backbone that, you know, people and fans can associate with and and you're given more time, you know, and you're given a little bit more patience by the fans, but we're quickly to discard these boys and also quickly to get on their backs a little bit. So be patient with Declan. You know, there'll be a few, you know, peaks and troughs but the kid's definitely got a lot of talent. I think it's important as well where where Declan Rice is concerned and, and the contract uh, situation at the moment is that you know it's it's not just keeping Declan Rice. I mean, it, with the relationship between the fans and the club is still quite hostile, isn't it? And I think making sure they get that right is is per, is, is good. For, you know, good for their relationship with the fans as well because you know the fa- everyone knows the fans love a homegrown talent. You know, mm. we've got Mark Noble in the team. Everyone loves Declan Rice. You know, they adore him already. Um, I think it's just important to to keep the the feel good factor around the club. 
Well, you're right. I think you're right with the way that the fans and the, the directors and, you know, chairman or whatever, there is there's that big void, isn't there? Obviously, the trouble we had last season. And that's a sort of prompted a little bit of a spending spree this season. And I would sort of say we haven't spent wisely, if I'm honest, because we panic-buyed and all of a sudden, because we didn't buy in four windows before that, then all of yeah. a sudden we've gone bang. Mm. You know, everybody's a reaction from the crowd. Oh, we've got to spend money and all that. And all of a sudden we've bought some maybe players who haven't really improved on what we've got. But it's so important. You're, you're correcting what you're saying, that they get it right with Declan because there could be uh, more of an uprising. If, if this kid is allowed to go and they're not giving him a contract that he deserves, mm. then the fans will certainly have their say. Tony, we've only got uh, uh, just well, just about under a minute left, but uh, uh, very, very quickly, looking ahead to the game on Saturday with United in the state they are and the Mourinho, you know, you don't really know what side you're going to face every week. Is this a real opportunity for Pellegrini and West Ham to pick up three points? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it was very encouraging against Chelsea because we didn't really go out and full throttle. We sat back and we waited and then we sort of attacked the ball in clusters. Now, Pellegrini stumbled on the system. He mucked it up against Watford and against Wolves, but then he stumbled on it with a three-man midfield for Everton. So now he's got to stick to that. And if we stick to that, and uh, maybe Arnie's fit on Outovich for that game, then I think we've got a hell of a chance against Manchester United. And I, I would slightly edge us as favourites with the way they're going. Yeah, give us a, give us a score prediction if you can. <laughs> Oh yeah, six nil. Yeah, Declan Rice Hattrick, and all. What do you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> no, I I go for an odd goal win. I go for a two winner. Yeah. There you go. Thank you very much, Tony, for joining us. Absolutely world class uh, West Ham United legend there, uh, Tony. Go. What do you reckon, chap? Six nil. Uh, yeah, I'll take six nil. I can see it now. Now he said it, I can see it. Yeah, yeah. We just got on the rampage. Yeah. I mean, do you know what? If he can emulate um, Alvin Martin's record of scoring a hat trick against three different keepers like he did against uh, Newcastle, then, you know, it'd be, an absolute, it'd be in, in the history book. Just stick him up front. Yeah, he can play everywhere. Let's look ahead to some proper football and the Carabao Cup this week. West Ham United taking on Macclesfield. Now, I always see these games, especially when I'm playing like, you know, a FIFA or a football manager. There's, you know, that opportunity to put that striker in, you know, that just can't really seem to find the back of the net. That just needs a bit of encouragement. Put him up against a weak back line, let him score four or five and let the confidence flow once again. Who goes into your side for this Carabao Cup? Is it an opportunity for Pellegrini to rest a few bods ahead of the United game or does he need to sort of keep things a bit consistent to keep the momentum going because let's be fair again this is a side uh, in West Ham United who you know you struggled in the early few games of the season but you suddenly found your rhythm playing a certain system with a certain few players here and there how many changes do you make how many changes do, do you reckon he should make talk to me I think this I think the system will be the same because um, he's going to want to sort of drill that into the players now isn't he but I think we should expect to see changes we saw a lot of changes when we played FC Wimbledon in the last round um, so you can expect a lot I think Perez will start I think Snodgrass will start Ogbonna will probably come in Adrian will be in goal Fredericks will probably get a tryout. so there'll be a lot of changes Sanchez probably in midfield in, in maybe to replace Noble so there'll, there'll be changes but you know, I, I think we're uh, like we said before, like earlier with the the strength and depth. I mean, even with those changes, you still got strong, like really strong starting eleven. 
Well, if you've only got to look back to a couple of years ago when we was in the, um, you know, qualifying for the Europa League and, you know, Bilic was playing kind of those kind of League Cup kind of sides against the Europa League. And you think the players that we played in those games compared to the players we would be playing now in the League Cup, it just shows you how far the squad has come on. Mm. But I think as Tony Gower said, if, if we'd spent this money over three or four transfer windows, it perhaps wouldn't have had the, the impact that it that has had in terms of getting us up to speed. But... Do you know what, you know, I think this is a good opportunity for those fringe players to come in and, and to show the manager that they can play in the system. They, mm. they know they know what it is. You know, obviously they've been, they've been training in it. It's interesting. I wonder if the back four have to almost like hold broomsticks with one another and make sure that they always stay. Because it's very flat. Don't you think the, black, the back four is very, very flat? They don't seem to have much in terms of, you know, if you, someone's gone up for a header, someone's mm. going to cover on the back of them. It's very much... We're going to hold this line, and I think any defenders coming in, they need to buy into that. They need to buy into the fact that you know they are playing this 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 flat four at the back, and you know it gives us an opportunity. I think long if as long as we keep getting these draws where we're playing sides from lower divisions, I think it's it's good to give those players a chance. But I think as soon as we get further along in the tournament, especially when you get into kind of the new year and and you know semi-final opportunities, I think it's it's a really good opportunity for us to. To, to really have a go at it, unlike a few years ago when we had a uh, Man City in, in the cup and the game was already over after the. Uh, I think Roger Johnson's still running backwards, isn't he? Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Rumor has it he is still running backwards. Well, running backwards down the divisions. Yeah, yeah. Relegation, yeah. Roger Johnson. That's, that's his it, name, yeah. isn't it? The, the relegator. Yeah, he couldn't have a season to go, didn't he? Because he was just sitting on the bench for ages. Yeah, do, you yeah. do you expect to see Fredericks coming? Bit of Aaron Cresswell, Adrian San Miguel. Yeah, yeah. all yeah. three, all of the above. Yeah. Um, I think, I think, especially Cresswell and Fredericks. I think now they will do really well and be able to really we have to see a bit more about what they're what they're about. I just hope that we we play with an intent intensity that they would take to a Premier League game because you know Macclesfield are going to be up for it. They're going to be up for it. They're bottom of, bottom of League Two, only just come come up from um, from the National League, so they're having a really struggling season. Um, but they they've always been up for it to come to London Stadium and play against you know the, the, the players that they're going to play against. Those players give me the game of their lives, isn't it? So, um, but I see I see this as a real, really, really big opportunity for West Ham this season. Uh, we've been saying for years how much we want a cup run. Mm-hmm. And we we never we never really get one. I know we spoke about City and the, the we got smashed. Was it nine nil one aggregate yeah. or whatever it was? But before then, it was the Birmingham one where we sh- we should have really won and lost oh, it in that Carlton Cole volley. The Carlton Cole volley at St Andrews. But you know, we I think we're Pellegrini's won it twice mm-hmm. with City. Um, it seems like a competition that he likes. He sees it. He probably sees it as an opportunity. And, and a lot of people, um, they, they don't see it as a as a competition that you should be winning. They see it as a bit of a second rate domestic cup. But it's an important competition. Right? I the way I see it is that if you can win a trophy in in February, you've got the rest of the season. You've got a trophy in the bag, and you've got the rest of the season to really really push on for the that, end of the rest of the season. That's what Jose Mourinho's opening oh, target yeah, yeah. with every club is, isn't it? To win the first trophy you can possible. Yeah. And he always targets the League Cup because he thinks it sets a bit of a precedent for the rest of the season. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know if, if it's currently working at the moment. We, when's the last time we won the League Cup? A couple of years ago with Zlatan Ibrahimovic uh, firing a couple past Southampton, wasn't it? But, I mean... You've got to go far in a trophy. You've got to want to go far in a trophy. You're not showing ambition if you don't want to do that. Am I right? 
Yeah, I mean, a, a cup competition is a cup competition. You want to win every competition that you yeah. go in for. Yeah. You know, end of the day, you get to the final, you win it. It goes and it goes in the history books. I don't see why the League Cup is is always downplayed so much. And you know, people talk about you know the fact that players are playing too many games. Hey, I would happily play three games a week if it meant I got paid ninety grand a week. Mm. Um, I really don't buy into this, and I think you know. I think we should be going. We should go for the League Cup. I think we should be going for the FA Cup. And you know, you just hope that you get the luck of the draw and you get a few games. That Which are we winnable. haven't had yeah. in recent years. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Or is it? Uh, I mean, we beat Tottenham last year, didn't we? In, mm-hmm. in this competition, we beat Chelsea the season before. So when we do get those draws, we do tend to to get a result. But at the same time, we do we we have had a knack um, over the years to to go out to the likes of teams like Maxwell Mac- 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 shot a few years back, didn't we? Yeah. You know, I think Wrexham like many years before that, and you know, we we do have a bit of a habit. But that's why I was so pleased to see us beat Wimbledon in the last round because that that was oh, that's a banana skin or a white Wimbledon, yeah, absolutely, a rocking ground. But you know, if we can get through this one, then you know, who knows? I, I mean, I, I do re- I fancy us to go go some way in this tournament. An opportunity for Lucas Perez to start up top and maybe bag a few. Yeah, and I think that the difficulty is is you have quite a few fringe players coming in and they're perhaps not firing on all cylinders like perhaps the starting 11 are now so yeah Perez coming in what you hope is that everyone else is playing well and that they do create the chances from it he's, he's going to get chances mm. um, and you're right I think Aaron if if he does get some chances gets a couple of goals it's going to do wonders for his confidence but sometimes I do feel like with West Ham we bring in these strikers but we don't actually have anyone else around them that can create the chances you know sometimes with Hernandez I'm seeing him up top I think it's great him being up there but he's got no one supporting him and it's all in good saying well if he gets a chance he'll score but sometimes we just don't create those chances and that's what we need to do against Maxwell right from the off Well Snodgrass will, will, will no doubt start and Snodgrass is the one that put the ball in for Yarmolenko at the weekend so I mean if you're looking for someone to deliver a ball into the box for a striker to get in the end of then Snodgrass is your man yeah. I think Snodgrass will have a bit of fun uh, on Wednesday against Macclesfield, he, he, he should. They've got to be up for it. They just they've got to be up for it and really put a performance that's going to make everyone, you know, go. You know, I want to be playing in your in your starting eleven, Manuel mm. Pellegrini. I mean, one of my favourite West Ham front lines was was the one. I think it was the first season of Valencia and Sacco. I just really enjoyed watching them play. I don't know. I just think West Ham had something different about. Them. And then with Enna Valencia, Andy Afrasacco, um, Andy Carroll wasn't bad that season either, was he? Mm. I mean, they everything they touched in those first couple of months was gold wasn't yeah. it you know Sacco went on that he scored was scores it, when he won he scored in every every game seven, six or seven consecutive games um, had, he, had he carried on going he would have got the record that Vardy got but it's just there was just, just something stopped. different about it than it just felt really good watching West Ham play maybe the pitch was a bit tighter as well maybe it was a case of you know there was, there was less space to operate in um, because as we know you know big pitches you need to you, you, you spread the play wide and it's like you're miles away from, from from where you need to get it into but it really felt like West Ham had cracked yeah. something good but they had Stuart down in that year as well pulling the strings behind them which yeah. always helps yeah, and it does, and it just created so many chances from that. In terms of the pitch size, the the London Stadium is no bigger than Upton Park. Exactly, like, a little bit. The, 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 it's the, psychological, is it? Yeah, just yeah, looks and yeah, it looks bigger. And the issue have as well, if you you know, the green yeah. top holding around it, it. You know, you, I think Bilic said during his time, a lot of players complained that they'd get the ball, they'd turn around and they'd ping a ball out to the left or ping it to the right, and the, they had misjudged it completely because they see the green and they just completely overlooked it. So yeah, I think psychologically it does have that difference. But that was probably. Looking, at, you know, that was four-four-two, that mm. formation that we played. Um, 
I can't remember the last time we, you know, we started the season obviously with Naltovic and Hernandez, but I can't really think of it another time that we had two strikers up top that you, you'd arguably say one of them wasn't scoring, the other one would. No, I mean, I, I thought that when he went with that formation against Bournemouth at home, I thought, okay, you know, this could be a partnership here, you know, but hasn't worked. He's reverted back to to what he's what, what we're seeing now. But I mean, before then, it was what was it, Hartson and Kitson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than that, I don't, I don't. I mean, really you, you, you look back. West Ham has have had some fabulous strikers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was one point where you had uh, Decanio, Defoe, and uh, and Frenet Canute at one oh, point. Yeah. You know, Canute was just an absolute top draw finisher wasn't he mm. yeah he's a good striker natural striker he's absolutely fantastic yeah uh, that's the unmistakable sound of the tactic struck uh, backing into our driveway here at Love Sport Radio and it's Alan O'Brien from the tactic struck who joins us now Alan I love your analysis Hardy Hammers Hamper Hazard yeah, I mean, what a performance from West Ham yesterday. Uh, a scoreless draw against the Chelsea side who had a 100% record coming into that game and they were full of value for it, the Hammers. Manuel Pellegrini, he, I suppose, continued on from where he left off against Everton. He seems to have realised now that Chilean that he needs to use a counter inside the players he has at his disposal. And, you know, they, they beat Everton at Goodison Park. They exploited the space in behind Everton's fullbacks, and they did the same to Chelsea. But unfortunately, Mikel Antonio is not the natural finisher, the technician that Marco Arnautovic is. Alan, you mentioned that that some of the tactic, well, the the, the system that Pellegrini used yesterday, and, and obviously it's very similar to the one against Everton. But you mentioned in your in your sort of analysis, your post-match analysis, that giving Jorginho a lot more time and the ball was a very deliberate ploy from West Ham. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the shape that Pellegrini utilised, it was the same shape as Sarri, uh, 4-3-3, which, mean, which meant that he wasn't using a number 10. So there was no actual uh, designated marker for Jorginho, no minder for him, really. And, uh, you know, that meant that there was a choice to make there. Either Pellegrini could instruct one of his three midfielders to move forward and press Jorginho at the base of the Chelsea midfield or he could ask his three midfielders to sit and deny Chelsea space in the zones in which Hazard and Willian like to frolic and he chose the latter option and I thought it was the right option Jorginho set a Premier League record by attempting 180 passes which is the most since Opta started looking uh, but most of them were benign and although he did manage to, to loft a couple of dangerous through balls over the top of Manuel Pellegrini's ill-advised offside trap, uh, for, the, for the most part, I think West Ham were right to let him go free and to instead deny those half spaces uh, for Chelsea. I mean, how, how has West Ham's defensive line changed, Adam, from um, the start of the season where Liverpool to today? You know, from, from looking at it from the, from the statistical point of view and tactical point of view, are they, do you feel like still keeping up quite a high line? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, we all remember what happened in the first day of the season against Liverpool, mm. the 4-0 defeat, which was, you know, a, tra- a tragedy comedy, really, in the sense that, you know, they, they pressed Liverpool high and they looked to play a high line as well. Um, Pellegrini learned from that slowly. They did the same against Bournemouth and got ripped apart as well. But over the ensuing four games, 
the high press has gone and it's been replaced by a lower block. But the high line, the offside trap is still there, which means the West Ham are extremely compact from back to front, which means, as you saw yesterday, that you know teams can't play through them like Everton and Chelsea. And do you see Pellegrini sticking with this for the foreseeable, um, given that you know, it, it seems to, to have it seems to have got the players working uh, and buying into that to that philosophy? Um, and we've had two positive results off the back of back, back of the way he's changed it. Do you see him sticking with this now? I do, particularly for the well. I, w- I was going to say the next game, but of course that's the the banner tie against Macclesfield, which we're all going to have two eyes upon, but. The, the game after that, which is the uh, the Manchester United game at home in the London Stadium, I think that game is tailor-made for more of the same, for repetition of the strategy that Pellegrini employed against Everton and Chelsea. I think Manchester United are, are right for the picking. I think Wolverhampton Wanderers showed that on the weekend when they played a very similar style, albeit with a different formation of 5-4-1, and really killed Man United in the inside right channel beside Victor Lindelof, Luke Shaw, not the best positionally. And you might find that West Ham will get more joy if they just stick to the plan. And I think Pellegrini will, although in the longer term, I worry that he will try to go back to revert to type and try and, you know, re-implement a type of possession-based, high-pressing style that he feels um, he prefers, we'll say. I hope not, but because, you know, it doesn't suit the players that West Ham have, but I suspect he might. Do you think? Do you think then that it will be um, on a game, game by game basis? Then that maybe against the stronger sides or, or or away from home, he might he might go for, go with what he's been doing over the last two games, and then as as we get maybe potentially safer uh, with regards to our, our league position, that he might then revert back to type and and, and give that give that uh, philosophy another go, perhaps against less lesser opposition. Yeah, I think you're spot on. And I think you'd probably agree that that's the best approach. That's the optimal approach. That's what West Ham fans would like to see. Because let's face it, even though I'm, I'm sure you enjoyed the last two games, mm. uh, it's not exactly the West Ham way, is this? That mythical concept. <laughs> um, no, you probably you, you probably would like to see more swashbuckling, um, attacking football, you know, using the wings, although you're still doing that even in this uh, counter-attacking mode of football. You know, pressing the opposition high, being the dominant side. And I think you're right. If he does try and re-implement his preferred style, it'll probably be against the lesser lights and when West Ham are safe. I do think against Everton, though, that that game could have finished six all. I think that. What did you not think that was a West Ham? We could have won that game four three. We could have lost it four three. That do you not think that was a West Ham way? We did play some good football. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, and and I think against yeah. against Chelsea, you know, we we say it was a nil-nil, but it was a good nil-nil. It was a it was a West Ham way nil-nil. I thought so, but uh, yeah, the, I, the worst stage against Chelsea where it was like me and my friends were saying, "Cool, we're, we're playing some nice football here. We're knocking yeah, yeah. the ball about nicely." Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it, it was a it was still a very careful style of yeah. play as well, which which I suppose you have to play against teams like Chelsea. I mean, the the big thing for me with Pellegrini is his big thing tactically is that it, it's kind of death by geometry, isn't it? And I, I feel like we're now starting to see a bit more of that kind of tinkering that geometry element to it, the angles and stuff. I still the last couple of games. And actually, you could probably argue the games before as well. Slowly but surely, their players are kind of getting a bit more of a flavour of the different angles that, and, and the, the maths behind it. And do, do you kind of agree with kind of the stats that are coming out? 
Yeah, look, I, I completely agree. Uh, I suppose, you know, to get into kind of Bill Clinton mode, it depends what, you're, what you think the definition of West Ham way is, you know what I mean? <laughs> he, he, he once played around with the definition of uh, a concept that uh, isn't appropriate for uh, younger viewers. But anyway, um, you know, the West Ham way can, can, can be anything you want, really. And, and I suppose what it really means is attractive football. And, uh, you know, I believe, I agree with you, that West Ham were very attractive in the last two games against Everton and Chelsea. I'm a big admirer of counter-attacking football. And what I loved, and I mentioned it in my article on both the Everton and Chelsea games, is that rather than kick the ball long under pressure, under the counter-press of Everton and Chelsea, West Ham tried to play through it. And Mm. that's what you're talking about. That's what was so easy on the eye. They actually tried to build from the back and go through particularly Chelsea. Remember the chance that Antonio had before his big chance yeah. when um, Anderson set him up? Yeah. There were three consecutive instances in that move where West Ham players weathered a very heavy press from a Chelsea player. I think it ended with Anderson hurdling a challenge from Aspilicueta. But prior to that, Obiang hurdled a challenge. Another West Ham player did. Mm. And that's what you want to see. You know, counter-attacking football can be beautiful if you try and play through the opposition press. And West Ham are doing it at, at the moment, and if you want to call that the West Ham way, I'm all for it. <laughs> Joe, there was there was one moment, Alan, that um, Balbuena chased down a ball from, I think, I mean, he, he just ran out of position out of nowhere, mm. and he was just running after the ball. And he got huge standing ovation after he, he was knackered at the end of it. I mean, he ch- even chased down the goalkeeper and was like, where, where, where are you going? Um, but yeah. then, you know, the, the fans really appreciate that. It was like, you know, we've got uh, even our centre-halves trying to, trying to win the ball and um, whether it was right or wrong for him to, to just leave his position and, and run up the pitch. But that's, that's another element of the West Ham way. I, I feel that, you know, players just sort of working hard for, you know, for, for the team, regardless of where, they, where they're playing on the pitch. Yeah, that's the beauty of the high line as well. In that, you know, when when the defensive line is playing, you know, a bit farther away from the the penalty area, even when the team is utilising a low block, you know, the defenders are kind of incentivised to try and step out and step ahead of opposition strikers. I mean, Olivia Giroud is one of the best, I think, hold-up men in 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 world football. He's very underrated in that regard. But you didn't see him, you know, be a wall for the other Chelsea players very often. Um, on the weekend because the likes of Fabian Balbuena who I thought was excellent so many clearances as well mm-hmm. from wide deliveries was stepping out in front of him and yeah Pellegrini's system does incentivize that kind of aggressive aggressive defending and I'll tell you what Balbuena was very good on the ball too he's, he's definitely Brazilian and uh, so was Declan Rice we must mention him given my nationality um, mm-hmm. at the base of West Ham's midfield because I mentioned earlier how West Ham tried to play through the counter-press of Everton and Chelsea, and he was central to that. His distribution was fantastic on the weekend, wasn't it? Yes, certainly was. Uh, Al, how do you... uh, Well, give us your tactical preview ahead of that game on Saturday. You know, obviously, United, a wounded animal there for the taking. Um, How do you see Pellegrini and West Ham lining up and and, and sort of going uh, all out against them? Well, Aaron, you'll you'll definitely have one eye on this one, won't you, given your loyalties... Oh, I'll be there. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think, unfortunately for you, my friend, it'll be more the same as I said for for West Ham. It'll be a four-three-three. It'll be very, very compact from back to front and side to side. They'll be looking to deny Manchester United space in central areas, force them out wide. 
And then when the attacks break down for Manchester United, which they inevitably will, because let's face it, Jose Mourinho does not know how to coach final third combination play. West Ham will then look to counter-attack into the spaces behind Luke Shaw and presumably Antonio Valencia, who was very poor on the weekend against Wolves. And for me, I'd worry about Manchester United. Uh, I think this could be a famous victory for West Ham. I mentioned earlier that inside right channel, Helder Costa and Raul Jimenez for Wolves murdered Victor Lindelof in that channel in behind Luke Shaw. And I think if Marco Arnautovic is fit, there's no better striker in the league at running the channels. You look at the right winger, Andrei Yarmolenko, who I'm not a fan of, but seems to be in a bit of form at the moment. And I think on that side of the pitch, Man United could be in big, big trouble. Well, thank you for your uh, sheer optimism on my front. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm sure these chaps uh, will be uh, will be enjoying things come Saturday. Uh, Saturday, 3 o'clock, around 2.30, 3 o'clock, that game will be over. But I'm sure they'll be enjoying things uh, if that's the way it goes. And, uh, yeah, I certainly won't be. Thank you very much, Alan. Uh, of course, make sure you catch up with Alan via the uh, Tactics Truck 2.0. Head over to tactics2.com and check out some of his articles. They are absolutely world-class. The Opposition View on Love Sport. Yet yeah, time to get the Opposition View. Looking ahead to that big, big fixture with us. It's Saturday lunchtime. It's a half past 12 kickoff at the London Stadium. It's West Ham United uh, versus Manchester United. It's Jamie Jackson, Manchester United football correspondent at the uh, Guardian and the Observer. Good evening, Jamie. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us, pal. Um, I mean, it's like, you know, every week we, we read something new about Jose Mourinho, about Manchester United. Uh, we're, we're, having, we're onto a down week now as well after that result, aren't we? I mean, last week it seemed like there was an air of positivity around things. You know, I saw a couple of positive headlines here and there about United. <laughs> I saw one that said that Jose may have turned a corner and he may have worked out how, uh, you know, he's, he's going to get this United side back up the table. But no, a 1-1 draw at home to Wolves and we're all back to square one, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, I think you've characterised it quite well. I mean, as someone who covers them and has covered them since basically, you know, the season before Ferguson retired, so we're going back to 2012-ish, it feels with Mourinho kind of starting to go around in circles. What you just described there, you know, you get a couple of good results, whatever it was, was it three on the bounce maybe? Um, okay, yeah, Pogba looks like a player again. You know, uh, Lingard's looking a bit bright. And then you go to this game and, you know, anyone can draw any game in the Premier League or even lose it but it, it was it was yet another sort of I don't know really sort of baffling display in front of their own fans 1-1 one, one. Um, you know when he says afterwards Mourinho oh I don't understand my players attitude because you know my attitude is that every game should be a World Cup final I mean on the one hand okay players have got to do it they've got to be self-motivated I get I, I do get that you know, he's used to players like John Terry and Drogba, but um, on the other hand, he is the manager, and that's kind of almost—that is almost in, in this age you know, of, of sort of very rich players, uh, successful players, powerful players. The man management is kind of almost the key, you know, because you can you can employ coaches on the training pitch and all the rest of it. But a bit like Brian Clough all those years ago at Forest, it's what you know, it's, it's what the manager says to players to get them ticking on game day. So really, he's you know, that's kind of his responsibility—the attitude. Jamie, what, what's I mean? I'm, I'm quite baffled with with um, the, the, the amount the amount of good players that Man United have got, but they don't seem mm. to be playing very often. I mean, Alexis Sanchez and um, Anthony Martial um, are two examples. I mean, what's going on with with those two? Because mm. two 
I mean, particularly Martial, actually, a, a real, real bright, young, world-class talent, and he's sort of in and out of the team. Mm. Well, again, a, a really good question. I was at the game in Switzerland, the young boys game, um, in Bern, 3-0, in which Martial scored mm. uh, the third in the second half, and, you know, he, he, I won't say, I'm not, sorry, I'm not saying he, he was, you know, world-class or anything, but he looked bright, he looked up for it. I thought it was interesting, considering he's a player who people can think has interesting body language and could be a little, you know, how can I say, dour. Uh, you know, he's the last one off the pitch applauding the fans after the game. I've never really seen him do that before. He's on Instagram almost instantly, or was he Twitter, but one of the two sort of saying, you know, thanks to the fans, and then he gets dropped. Mm. So for a Sanchez, he basically... Now I'm starting to look at Sanchez now and thinking, is he in the category? I'm not saying he's the number one, but is he in the category of the worst Manchester United signings post-Ferguson? And in that category, I'm looking at people like Memphis Depay, um, you know, sort of, uh, and Angle Di Maria. I mean, he's an interesting comparison. Di Maria came with a reputation and didn't really do it. Again, you could blame the manager, you could blame the player. And I'm looking at Sanchez thinking, you know, when is he going to click? Um, he was a big hope. Uh, you know, they thought, and he thought, Mourinho, we get the Sanchez of the pre-final uh, bit at Arsenal, final half of the season at Arsenal, and we've got a player who's a bit like Tevez in, t- in terms of even if he doesn't score, he brings a bit of an edge, you know what sort I of mean, that aggressive, always sort of trying. But, he, you know, even if he doesn't score, but I'm looking at him now thinking he's not really in that Tevez class mm. at the moment because because he's not contributing now, so he's losing the ball a lot. He loses the ball a heck of a lot for a, a supposedly elite player. Mm. And there's a lot of that around. We talk about, you know, Martial, the Martial conundrum, the, the Sanchez conundrum, everywhere you look in the picture. Lingard, I thought he was at United's most improved player last season. Not the best, I thought the Carpenter probably was or De Gea, but I thought he was the most improved Lingard. He actually looked like a United player. A bit of an X factor. You know, you know what I mean? A bit, bit of a sort of. He um, mm. used to be different. He did well in the World Cup, I thought, as well, but then he sort of disappears. And, you know, once again, De Gea is kind of their best player at the moment. Yeah, Jamie, looking ahead, at when, when the fixtures came out, and Aaron, you can probably answer this as well, you look at West Ham United away, are you not looking at it as a as a three points? And, no. And how would, you'd see that as a... Yeah, as stumbling block. But then again, I see most games as a stumbling block. You don't know what United side mm. are going to come out to play. For 45 minutes against Watford, United looked absolutely top draw. Then for 45 mm. minutes, they were on the ropes, mm. like big time on the ropes, like Povetkin after round six or seven, you know, round four. They were on the ropes and we were hanging on if it wasn't for David Dea, a man who's been absolutely chastised at the start of the season uh, because his form hasn't been tip top sparkling world class mm. we would have been beaten 3-2 4-2 something like that there is something fundamentally not right there now um, you know I don't, I don't know uh, how, how long we've got on this but Jamie you could probably um you sort of uh, uh, enlightened me on the situation. The insistence on Brit on, on playing Lindelof at the bat with Smalling. What's going on with Eric Bailly? Is it a case of uh, a message to the board to say, hey, look, it's not too late to bat me in January. You can still buy me a nice centre-half in January. I've got these two clowns at the bat working for me. You know, what? what is it? You know, Dallow looked half decent, um, you know, in the Champions League. He didn't decide to play him again. Hopefully, Dallow gets, you know, a bit more time because Valencia was absolutely woeful. The fact that United have got failed wingers, these two failed wingers, who were failed wingers under Sir Alex Ferguson as well, playing at fullback just shows where this club is right now. Yeah, I mean, Eric Bailly, for me, it remains the best centre-back at, at, at that club at United. I mean, I, I, I think 
it gets another puzzle and he seems to have fallen out of him or he's, he's certainly you know Bay has fallen out of favour in terms of selection with Mourinho there must, something surely must have gone because for me he, he you know he's athletic he, he's, he's fast he's got a bit of speed to his game and you know he reads the, the, the sort of the attack the attacks well so I don't really don't know what's happened there I mean Valencia is finished at this level as far as a sort of you know, a supposed or what Manchester United right back should be. I mean, he has been for a couple of seasons. It's really. I did. I did the tour. You know, I was in America, and he, he actually picked him out for criticism. You know, saying, oh, he's come back basically not fit enough. You know, like a bit out of condition." I'm thinking, "This is your captain, the guy." I don't know. He doesn't beat a player. I mean, you know, it's not his fault that he keeps on getting selected. That lies down to the manager. I mean, Dallo, j- j- just to sort of be clear on that one, he did say after young boys that because he, he you know, he's only 19, it's his debut, and he's just come back from surgery from a knee injury. He wasn't going to sort of, you know, after two days putting back in, but he will play tomorrow against Derby when Derby go to, uh, to Old Trafford. But, you know, I, I take your point. I mean, you know, I'm still not completely convinced by Luke Shaw. He has surprised me, because to be honest, I thought Post is, is, is very, very unfortunate and, you know, harrowing leg break. Mm. He's lost that, that bit of pace, but he does seem to be getting a bit more, um, you know, you know, been able to get in behind a little bit. I, I've been surprised by him, because again, I thought, he, he, you know, he, has he got it anymore? But I don't know, really. They are kind of what they are in the United. They're a sort of middling, treading water side, which you never thought you would sort of describe under Mourinho. But that, but that in a way, kind of describes, you know, where he's at in his management, yeah. I would say. I mean, overpaid, thing- overpaid, underworked prima donnas. That's how I look at it. Um, look, very, very sort of quickly, I want to look at, you know, ahead to the game. And I, in my opinion, don't believe that, you know, Mourinho will go before the end of the season. I think Ed Woodward isn't, um, you know, he, he hasn't got the cojones, if you like, to sack him. Plus, there's no one out there immediately that you look at that can maybe do a short-term job to the end of the season. But I'm going to ask the standard question that's on everyone's mind. If West Ham United beat Manchester United at the weekend, how much closer is Mourinho to the door? Well, he definitely, get, he definitely gets closer. I mean, you know, and I think you've got a chance. I think Pellegrini is, obviously I know him from having covered City, uh, for Gary Observer when he was up here, and he, you know the guy won a Premier League title. I think he he, he knows his stuff. You've got to remember, people say, "Oh well, you know, he, he was with Manchester City." But he also um, did very well uh, in Spain with, with Malaga and Villarreal, one of those clubs who got to the semi-final of the Champions League. I can't remember which one it was, but you know that's on a limited or a smaller budget, and so he will know how to set up um, against United. He's a, you know he's, he's he's a clever man, Pellegrini. I'm not saying he's the world's best ever manager, but you know he, he he's, he's He's good enough for West Ham, I think. And, you know, so to go back to your question, I think they could lose, and then it will all start again. I mean, this. I think if you're a United, um, you know, uh, fan, this is what was so disappointing about that game um, on, on Saturday because having won the last three, uh, you know, two, two in the league, another win, and suddenly you think, okay, there's momentum there. But I, I, I just don't. I, as you said earlier. I wouldn't be surprised if he went there and won, sort of say, let's say three-one. This is Manchester United, or went there and lost three-one uh, to West Ham because they are inconsistent, um, and all is not right with with, with, um, with the manager, with Mourinho. And, you know, he was very calm and measured um, after the game. Uh, you know, on Saturday the draw the walls. Obviously, I sat there, and he, he was very calm in what he said. He wasn't ranting and raving, but he did come out with all this stuff about the attitude, and you just wonder. You know what, what? What did he say at half time, or what did he say before the game? You know about their attitude. Surely, you send them out, 
if the attitude's not right in, in the first half, or you can see signs that maybe it's not going to be right, you get into them at half time and you get a response because, you know, if not, you start to think, well, he can't really seem to affect these players. Pogba's a really interesting. He almost sums it up for me, Pogba. For me, if he can get Pogba to play like he did in that Juventus side that got to the Champions League final that year, and he played really well in the semi final. I don't know if you saw the game, but he actually he didn't turn up in the final. Uh, the Champions League, he did in the semi final. I can't remember who they beat now, but he was really good. Um, and if you can get him to play, I think the rest of it clicks into business because he, you know, he, Pogba is is good enough. And, and if you, if you look at it this way, if, if say Pep Guardiola or even a Jurgen Klopp had Paul Pogba or Alexis Sanchez, all the, all this set, all this squad, would they be doing better? I think the answer has to be yes. And in terms of West Ham United, who do you look at as as maybe the danger men um, from from them? Who can who can cause United trouble? Uh, obviously, you know it seems like Pellegrini's found this sort of style. As you mentioned, you know he's a Premier League winning manager. You know we we we, we won't fail to recognise that. But um, you know he he seems to have found a good sort of rhythm with the likes of Felipe Anderson um, you know and Andre Yarmolenko as well are there question marks over uh, of Arnautovic and his fitness maybe uh, I mean Arnautovic is interesting because I used to see him um, uh, play for Stoke mm. well he wasn't he didn't always get in that side um, to be honest um, you know and then he's gone there last season to West Ham um, and sort of proved a few a few people wrong Um you know, Yarmolenko was one of those players who, who'd always looked like he was going to get, I don't want to be disrespectful, but, you know, he was always talked about, was, so let's say two or three years ago, a sort of, how can I say, a, a top four, a Champions League-esque club. Um, so he's got quality. I, like, I really like Antonio. I think he, he may, you know, you talk about Lindelof this morning, because it'd be interesting to see what he does with that defence. Does, does, does he, you know, look at how he conceded? So, um, the goal against well, so, so Pogba loses it so, so in a circle, and so that's his mistake with that sort of fancy turn. I, I, I accept that, but then you know, why wouldn't Luke Shaw barge him out of the way? Where's the centre back sort of coming across? So, I wonder whether he'll, he'll look at someone like Antonio and think, mm, you know, can, can Smalling and Lindelof um, deal with that? What I'd like to see is, is Dallow play because he was good. You know, it was a debut. Adrenaline can get you through, but I tell you what, he's a he's a big man for a nineteen-year-old. He almost looks like he could be a centre back. Maybe that's what will happen later. But he, you know, on the evidence, and it was obviously very scant evidence, but on the evidence of that that game against um, young boys, he, he's got pace. He can cross, and he just looks looks the part. Um, so yeah, you know, I think West Ham have a good chance. I think if he can get United, if he plays. Um, uh, yeah, Val- Valencia. I- I'm sure. I think they can they can be got at. The interesting one about the defence as well, United, is, is they they the last two seasons they've conceded the second lowest uh, amount of goals uh, in the Premier League behind you know the champions of each of those seasons, obviously City and Chelsea. So but then you wonder is that a De Gea thing? Is that down to De Gea rather than the actual you know the um, the outfield defenders? So I think Pellegrini would just be looking to look. We we can be, get get it into the heads that, that we can. You know, we can beat United, first of all, Manchester United. Let's play a bit of football and just get in behind um, and see what happens. Because Smalling, I don't know, he, he isn't the most... I think I think Gareth Southgate kind of got it right. Remember he said about he's not really the best footballer. He's just, you know, yeah. that's why I don't, you know, I don't fancy him. I think he kind of got that one right there. You know, if you see his distribution or bringing the ball out, it can look a little bit slow and sluggish. Is this a bad time for Man United to be playing West Ham, do you think, Jamie? Yeah, I think it is, because I think they are... You know, coming into a little bit of form, having won 
at Everton. That's not the easiest place to go to. And then, you know, drawing at home to Chelsea, I, I, I say that's a good result, right? I mean, I know they're yeah, at home, yeah, yeah. Definitely. against the sorry Chelsea, you know, and, that, and after the, the sort of way that they, they started the season, um, pretty terribly under Pellegrini, I think that's a, that, 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 that's, a, that's a classic Pellegrini at Villarreal or Malaga result to yeah. me. Yeah, or even back in South or even back in South America, where you won a, pot, um, a load of, you know, sort of uh, le- leagues and, and, and cups. I, I think this is this is an awkward one. Um, it's just fascinating. I mean, I think you touched upon it at the top of this conversation. It is a soap opera, isn't it, Manchester? It's one of the great things about covering them. I have to say, it's never dull. I mean, I'll go to the game tomorrow, and who knows what will happen against Derby? So you just wonder, you know. Can can the, I, I actually think Mourinho's of the mindset now that if they, they go to West Ham and get a draw, they'll be happy with that. I think he thinks that the league is beyond, you know, um, this set of players, which I don't... Listen, he's never said that, so it's just my opinion, but I don't know. I think, I think what is it, five games into the season, are we? Um, you know, you should be eight points behind. I mean, it's just... Because that's a big margin. So he really... You know, if, I, if I was West Ham, I'd be fancying this. Yeah, you go. Chaps, first and foremost, any news out of West Ham today on injuries, on quotes from Pellegrini ahead of uh, the Macclesfield game? No, it's been a bit quiet. I mean, the, the, the big talk at the moment, we should be touched on it earlier, is the old Declan Rice thing mm-hmm. with his contracts. Um, I mean, the, the club are saying that they've been in talk since April and nothing's been confirmed. Like they, They've not really got any further with it. No, nah, no, nah, I mean... It, uh, as we said with uh, Tony Gale earlier, it's worrying that you know they're, they're they're dragging the hills on this. They should be they should be giving him what he wants, I think, because of the promise that he's showing. But for some reason, we we don't know what's going on behind the scenes in in the boardroom and those discussions. But you'd like to think that you know, I mean, he surely he wants to stay at the club. He'd be mm-hmm. happy as long as he gets a respectable contract, which is on par with a lot of the other players that are at the club that perhaps aren't playing as often as he is, but they're earning what like Tony Gale said earlier, like ten times more than he is. I think, he, I think he's de- he deserves that. I think the other thing with Declan Rice is he's performing as he is with this contract saga going on, and also his international future as well. Yeah, I mean. Good head on 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 young shoulders, really. And I, does he need to play? I forget now. Does he need to play a couple more times before before it becomes he has to like officially adopt Ireland? Well, no. He's, he's as long as he doesn't represent either country um, competitive in a competitive game. I think he can just decide as uh, and when. Yeah, but I mean. You know, personally, I think he'll probably opt for Ireland. Is it because Noble? There was a chance of Noble was going to be. But Noble said, didn't he? Noble said, you know, okay, I do qualify for Ireland, but I wouldn't want to play for Ireland, so I don't feel Irish. Yeah. Um, but he does qualify it probably in the same way that Declan Rice does. Um, I think Declan Rice would be mad to to cut all ties with with Ireland, given that you know, okay, he's a great talent, he's a, he's a good, he's a good young talent, but he's already in the Ireland squad. Mm-hmm. There's no guarantee he'll ever get in the England squad. So. But it's, it all depends on what you feel as a person, doesn't it? What, what you feel, you know, close to as a as a nationality. I, I think Noble should be given an England cap just in a friendly. Just, just <laughs> he, deserve, <laughs> he deserves it. How, how many how many caps did he get for the under twenty ones as a captain? Yeah, you know, he was part of that side in two thousand and seven, wasn't he? Yeah, you know, and he, he des- he's always deserved at least a call up. He's never been a call up, let alone a cap. And I think that's just a, know, just a token cap. Just come on, eighty seventh minute, come on, yeah. Mark. Yeah. On the pitch. Even if he's like 39 <laughs> and still playing, just, just chuck him in there. Deserves it. Just so he's got it, yeah. yeah. Although, you know, you imagine him coming on against San Marino, you know, that wouldn't be much of a much of a cap. If you're one and only cap. The Faroe Islands. Yeah. 
Getting involved. <laughs> Gibraltar. Gibraltar. <laughs> well, we won't be playing those teams now in the, in the Nations League, will we? The, unless we get relegated. Unless and, we get relegated. Keep, keep getting relegated yeah. down and down. And then, and then we'll give... We'll give not able to go. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Noble. Noble with Henderson midfield. Oh, that's dreamy, that. <laughs> dreamy Slow, midfield. one pace. Uh, one pace <laughs> setting. Chaps, um, Saturday, you're looking forward to it. How's it going to go down? I am looking forward to it. Um... The last two games obviously helped that a little bit and the, mm. the encouraging performances and, the, and picking up four points. I think one win takes us up in almost into the top ten. It's, yeah. it's going to be that tight. And do you know, as we said earlier with Jamie, you know, this is this is probably a good time to play Man United. Yeah. And given that we're on a bit of a high, I, I do fancy us to, to get all three points. Yeah, no, definitely. I think the only downer for me is that it's like a bit of an early kickoff as well. Yeah, don't like those. I just don't feel like you know. I'm not saying everyone should go out and and drink loads and loads, but go. But out Friday and, night, mate. Yeah. You know what? And have just keep just keep drinking all the way through Friday. Well, I can't because I'm working. <laughs> and I, li- I live nowhere near the London Stadium. I just think with those kind of games, you want to get you want to have a couple of pints. You want to be a bit merry. You want to go in there already already wanting to cheer. And twelve thirty sometimes you feel like you've only just had your bacon and roll. You want it to be a Sunday four o'clock, don't you? Well, just have it. No. <laughs> No, no. You've got work Monday morning. You've got work the next day. At least it's Sunday. You've got the, you got the day. If you want, you want it to be, you know, Saturday five thirty. Saturday five thirty is a good. <laughs> um, although there is a danger that you, you you've had way too many before the game. Yeah, three o'clock. Three o'clock. Everyone's times. everyone's got their plan scheduled for a three o'clock kickoff. That's the, how the early kickoff. Do. I do, it, but I'll be. Pretty much do it backwards though. I'll go in after and have loads of drinks after that. Where, where are you taking me for breakfast on Saturday morning? Oh, I've already said Westfield. There'd be somewhere fancy to go. Yeah, forget that, mate. Eggs Benedict. <laughs> Poached eggs. You, you, th- you think we got money to waste on that? Smashed no avocado. Chance, no chance, pal. No. I wish there was a pie and mash shop around there, but there probably isn't, is there? No. No. Uh, no. Gentrified or brioche buns and all that around here now, isn't it? Yeah. Greek, Italian, you, you know, you fill your boots. Cafe Jam- football. Jamie's Italian. Nah, mate. <laughs> 20 quid for a bowl of pasta. Are you joking? <laughs> Plenty of, plenty of places to go. Thank you very much for joining us. It's the West Ham Fan Chat, available on demand via lovesportradio.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.